0: Alright, so we are going to be jumping into today, uh, looking at things a little bit non-traditional as opposed to looking at the miraculous virgin birth or looking at the prophecies that are leading up to the coming of the Lord. What we're going to do is take a little bit more of a personal approach today. Um, God sort of led me as I had other things in planned or in mind, um, but God wanted me to, to focus on an on a, on a aspect of recognizing sort of our journey with the Lord. Through the eyes of one of one of the followers of christ and we're gonna look at today um our message is titled peter's present and we're going to look at things this first-hand account uh, from one of jesus followers so we can sort of get a perspective on on our journey as well let's pray lord thank you for the gift of time thank you for your blessings for your gift of uh, your heart for this world and lord for the love you have for a broken planet god thank you so much for the gift Uh, Lord, of this time that we'll get to spend together. And I do pray, Father, that you help me to get out of the way. Lord, the only hindrance to this uh, message uh, that could happen would be me. So, Lord, I'm asking you to remove the human element, Father, that you might preach through me and give us, Father, what it is that we need to hear, what it is we need to receive. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this message. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So for those of you that may, maybe you're new to this, but Peter um, was one of the 12 disciples. Peter was a man who was a fisherman by trade. He had natural leadership ability. And there was of the 12 men that Jesus called, there were three men that were kind of that special inner group. And Peter was one of those individuals. So as we consider Peter's story, what we're going to do start off, first of all, looking at is what Peter would have known of the coming Messiah. What was Peter's foundation of knowledge? And this is our first point, which is this, the knowledge of God. Now, keep in mind, that as a good Jewish boy, Peter would have studied the Old Testament. He would have studied the Torah. He would have known many of the prophecies. Now, the other disciples as well. They would have been very familiar with the truth of who the Messiah was. And what we're going to recognize is the fact that through their education, there would have been verses, things that they would easily recognize of the prophetic aspect of that coming Messiah. They would have known verses like this in Isaiah 7:14. The Bible says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give unto you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He would have known Micah chapter five, verse two, and it says, but thou Bethlehem, Ephratiah says, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth had been from of old, and from everlasting he would have known Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and it says for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the Mighty God the Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace he would have known Daniel chapter 7 verse 14 and this is "And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now, some of you may have been raised in church. You might have been raised having some biblical knowledge. Others of you may, may be like I am or I was. I wasn't raised in a church environment. I wasn't raised knowing really anything about God, but I knew I, that something existed, right? It's hard not to at least recognize that God is, is there. We see Him in the complexity of life. We see Him literally uh, with the, the rising of the sun, the consistency of our surroundings. It's hard not to see god it's hard not to see him in the natural laws right the things that we can count on like having air to breathe uh gravity that if we drop something it always falls god's put a system around us that reveals him to the world romans chapter 1 verse 20 says this for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world notice this word are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made that would be us even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There will be no one that will stand before God one day and say, I just didn't know you were there. No, he says, Hey, listen, every single morning when you woke up, guess what? That sun was an indicator of me. Guess what? Every time you took a lung full of air, that was a, a, an evidence of my provision for you. Every time these things took place, when your body, when you got a cut and your body healed itself, and we call doctors healers, but guess what? There's not a doctor in the world that if God's system of healing existed, they could heal a skin knee. They're simply manipulating a system that God put in place. And so there is a knowledge of God's existence. We're all born with it. God writes his law on our hearts. It's the very conscience that we're born into. Even the fact that there are people that will deny his existence. You know what that does? That tells us that he exists. Because why in the world would you spend so much time, energy, and effort, and so much emotion to deny something that's not real people don't do that for the tooth fairy but they sure do it for God right sorry kids if I just blew that for you with the tooth fairy (laughs) so the other disciples as well as Peter would have known of God and so that expectation of the coming Messiah right they would have been born and raised thinking about it and so now you can imagine the excitement when they would come to a place where they would actually meet the Lord and that's our second point meeting the Lord and John Chapter 1, verses 35 through 42, it says this. It says again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, this title would have immediately identified the Messiah. These men would have gone, Oh, okay, I know what's going on. Now, realize they've been keeping the Passover. Every year they've been keeping the Passover, keeping the Passover, keeping the Passover. And again and again in the Old Testament, when you go through the Bible, there's one account that's recorded more than any other account, and it's the Exodus. It's when they came out of Egypt, God brought the people of Israel out of bondage by way of the blood of of a lamb, and that lamb, because of the blood, caused death to pass over them. That's why it's called the Passover, and so here we have this beautiful indication from the past that God's always pointing to, and they go, oh, when he says the lamb of God, they're like, oh, 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 that's the deliverer, that's that's the Messiah, the sacrificial lamb. They would have read, read about his life and what he would ultimately give in Isaiah 53, understanding the sacrifice for the world. But John continues in verse 37 he says this and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them what seek ye they said unto him Rabbi which is to say being interpreted master where dwellest thou he saith unto them come and see and they came and saw where he dwelt and abode within that day for it was about the tenth hour now one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. Andrew's like, John, you won't believe what we found. The Messiah has come, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is to be interpreted, a stone. Now, we go, where do we get Peter? From Cephas, okay? Cephas is actually Aramaic. It's Aramaic for the word rock, and if we take it, and so that's Aramaic, but then when we go to our New Testament, our New Testament was translated from Greek, and when you have the word rock in Greek, you know what it is? Petros, and Petros is where we get Peter, and so Simon Peter would have no clue that day that he would be foundational in the formation of God's church. He had no clue. He was just a fisherman out doing his thing. And we recognize the fact that, listen, the Messiah, the the coming, the Lord had met him in this place. And when you and I come to know the Lord through the gospel message, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Someone shared the word of God with you at some point in time and you made the realization that, hey, I'm lost (laughs) on my own. I'm in big trouble. But but there was a Messiah that came and died for the sins of the world. That means for me as well. And guess what? I could by faith receive that gift and and find salvation in Christ and that Messiah could become my Messiah. My deliverer, praise the Lord. Twenty-two years ago for me, to God be the glory. But then we look at this and we go, okay. That what's really neat is the fact that as when we get saved, God sort of shifts our purpose. He changes our our meaning. He changes our mission. What we're here for. And what we find is we go to the book of Matthew, and what'll we'll do. Matthew gives us the same account, but what he'll do is he'll give us a little bit additional details. Of something else that happened in that account it says in Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 through 20 and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishers and he saith unto them follow me and I will make you fishers of men I'm gonna change your purpose you thought it was all about catching fish drawing fish to the boat but guess what I want you to I want you to draw men unto me And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And what we find is the fact that we see their mission established for us. And guess what? It's the same mission he's given us. Our lives are supposed to reach out to the world around us. We're supposed to be fishers, fishers of men. And so what's so interesting about this is we see a purpose that is a shift for us, a a new reason for living. Now, I want to address one thing real quickly. And this is something that I don't know if you paid attention, but there was a difference in the accounts between how they met. Right? And we look in Andrew's account and it says that Andrew, or we look in, in, uh, in, in John's account, it says that Andrew first met him and then he brought him to Simon. But here in Matthew's account, it says that Simon and P- said that, that Andrew and Simon were together. And people go, oh. And see, this is where people that are skeptical will go, see, the Bible's not reliable. Those, those accounts, they don't line up. They don't line up. But let me tell you, this actually is a very, very good thing. And I'm explaining to you why. Let's say if we have a crime that's committed, right, and we witness that crime. And they come, and they talk to us, and they're going to get some information from us in that moment. And they say, okay, well, what was he wearing? And I'm, I tell about the hair color. You tell about the shirt. Somebody else tells about the pants. And everybody records what it was that they saw. What's interesting is the fact that if they don't match up, do you know that's actually a good thing? Because that proves that they are real accounts because everyone processes information differently. Where you might pay, to some, pay attention to something, I wouldn't pay attention to it. So I'm going to record and tell you what I saw. And you're going to record what you saw. Do you know why is it that they separate the witnesses? Because you know what they don't want them to do? They don't want them to corroborate their stories so that every detail matches. Because when all the details match, you know what they know? There's a fix in. That's not real. So the only way they can know it's real is by the fact that there are little variations in the account. But what matters is that the main issues, the main events all line up. And when we go to the gospel accounts, guess what? They all line up there are the first three there's matthew there's mark and there's luke these are called the synoptic gospels they're kind of share they're kind of looking at it from an earthly perspective they're come talking about a, a series of events matthew reveals jesus as as king the king of the jews then we go to matthew then we go to mark mark reveals him as a servant a servant's heart towards humanity then we go to luke and what does luke do he reveals him as a man that's when you see the birth story and then we have john It's not actually a synoptic gospel because it's actually sharing more of a biblical or a a God perspective. What John does is John reveals Jesus as God. And so there are going to be variations, but the story is the same all the way through. Now back to Peter's story. Peter, upon seeing Jesus, understands this new mission, this new purpose that he has, which is to be a follower. This is our third point, following Christ. And so we meet though we have knowledge of the Lord, then we meet the Lord, and then guess what? We have a new mission, and now we're supposed to follow the Lord. And here's where the challenges lie. I'm gonna get an amen. Oh my soul. <laughs> it is not always easy to be a follower of the Lord. God sets an expectation for us and He goes, Hey, this is what I want you he says, be holy as I am holy. And you're like, Okay. Whew, see how that goes. And some days it goes great, and some days you know what we fail. It can be difficult to be a follower. It's not always, not always easy. And what we find is the fact that as Jesus is advising his disciples, he gives them an insight. He says, "Listen, I'm going to tell you how to be successful at this thing of being a follower. Let me explain it to you." He tells us in chapter Luke chapter nine verse twenty three. He says, "He saith unto them all, speaking to the disciples, If any man will come after me, you're going to be one of my followers. Let him deny himself." And take up his cross daily and follow me so deny yourself we hear this aspect of denial this is uh, in in the Bible we talk about the flesh right the flesh is our emotions and the things that have a tendency that we make our decisions based upon this most times tell you this: the flesh does not draw us to God it draws us away from God the spirit draws us to God the flesh pulls us away and this is the daily struggle it's the issues so many times of emotions is anybody here driven by your emotions Man, oh, man, sometimes we may be better at, at quelling them, but, boy, sometimes when we get emotional, we get in a moment, boy, we will say and do things that we would never, ever dream that we would say. So what we find is we look at this, this aspect of who Peter is, and one of those Peter, guess what? Peter's a bit of a hothead. Peter's very driven by his emotions. He does some crazy stuff, man. He's, he's, he's bold, but also at the same time, he's a little bit unstable in the way that he sees the world, so he's very, very emotionally Driven and fueled and some of us may relate to that. I know Eric always talks about Peter's his guy You know not throwing Peter Eric under the bus, but I'm just saying that (laughs) He'll say that sometimes and I can certainly relate to Peter's story because Peter's Journeys a bit like this some days he does well and other days He doesn't do too. Well, but one of the things that's amazing is sometimes when when Peter reaches a point his emotions will get the best of him And he will shift into a place where he will start to do things that he would not otherwise do. And one of those occurrences is actually when Jesus is describing to the disciples what is coming. He's talking to them about his own death. And Peter has vowed to follow the Lord. He's doing his very best to be, to be a, a defender and a protector. And Peter's the kind of guy that would whip out a sword and fight for Jesus in an instant. And so here the Lord starts to lay this out. I'm going to read it for you. It's Mark chapter 8, verse 31 through 33. He says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he spake that, saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him, and we go, whoa, dang, Peter, what in the world, rebuking the Lord? That sounds cray cray. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, and we think, man, I would never do that. But let me let me let me let's look at it this way. Has there ever been something that God's allowed to happen in your life, something that's come your way that you didn't like? Anybody? right and it came and you may not have voiced it like Peter did Peter's like no this can't happen Lord you don't understand no 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 this can't take place but we not we didn't voice it but maybe we thought it Lord, this isn't right this is unfair why am I having to go through this why is this adversity coming into into my life no Lord I don't I don't agree and listen to what the Lord says to Peter in response to this kind of attitude He says this in verse 33, but when he had, when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan. This is the very same thing that Jesus says in Matthew four, when Satan confronts him and tries to lure him into temptation, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. And he's speaking to Peter. Can you imagine the look on Peter's face? Satan. I mean, huh? What? I'm your follower, Lord. You don't understand. And he's not talking to Peter, but he's talking to the force that's behind Peter that's influencing. And the Bible says, don't give place to the devil. Guess what? That's a warning to the Christian. We can all be influenced by evil. The things we listen to, the things we hear, the, the advice we take in this world, it can steer us in the wrong direction. And Peter has fallen prey to his flesh. And this is what, you know, basically what he's saying, Peter, you're not trusting God. Listen, he says this, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. As if to say, Peter, you're not trusting God. And because of that, Satan is trying to use you to interfere with the father's plan. Peter, you have unwittingly stumbled into being used by the enemy. And when we rebuke the Lord for the things in our lives that we do not appreciate, we're being just like Peter. God tells us we're supposed to embrace those things in our lives. And it's God's presence with us through them that makes us better. We talked about it last week. We talked about the fact that there's people out there that believe that there should be no adversities in life and if you're doing the right thing and if you're serving the Lord, that there'll be no hardships, but that's just not accurate. That's not what the Bible tells us. We look at the, and the example we looked at was Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua were men, and the Bible says they wholly followed the Lord. The only people in the Bible that where it says that. They wholly followed the Lord, and yet when they walked to the border and they looked across into Canaan, guess what was waiting for them? Giants. Adversity. The mindset that there's not going to be adversity would mean that if just because they were wholly following the Lord, that whole place would have been just empty and waiting on them. But no. God says, I'm going to be with you in the midst of the struggles. And that's the whole purpose. God's trying to guide us and shape us through this. And what we find is the fact that we're just like Peter when we deny it. Notice this. For the next three years, Peter is going to do his best to try to follow the Lord. And there will be times when his faith is going to shine, man. He's going to be uh, literally walking on water. Peter's doing that good. But then there'll be times when this faith will falter We're on that same water, he'll lose faith and he will, he will sink. And what we find is God is faithful through it all. And even to the point, Peter will get so caught up in his emotions, so overwhelmed by his circumstances that there will come a time when Peter, when Jesus is being held in the Sanhedrin, when they've got him in there and they're, they're, they're trying him. And Peter is going to get so scared and so freaked out by the circumstances and so overwhelmed that he will deny Jesus three times. Right? And we hear that story and we go, wow, unbelievable. And yet, God is merciful, forgiving, and graceful. And you know what's so amazing is even after his death, God reveals his love for Peter. Because Peter, after everything goes down, Peter's like, you know what? This whole following Jesus, I know I said to be a fisher of men, but I go a fishing for fish. And you know what happens? When he goes walking off to do that, he takes seven of the disciples with him and they all go get on the boat and they all go back to fishing fish and guess what they catch? Butt kiss, nothing. They don't catch anything, zero. And so he finds the fact that, listen, here they are in this moment where they've messed up and they, they've given up and they've failed it, And you know what? The Lord shows up on the shoreline and there they are, they've been going all night long and they're tired and they're frustrated and they're like, "Ugh." Ah. And he says, you know what? Just dropping that down one more time. And they're like, man, All right, dude, whatever. And they drop it in, and man, they're overwhelmed. And then they come to the realization that it's Jesus, and they come to the shoreline, and they sit down, and he breaks bread with them. This is after his resurrection. And you know what he does? He focuses on Peter. Peter's a leader. He took seven with him away. And he comes back, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, well, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, well, then feed my sheep. He says, but Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, well, just ask me that? He's like, yeah. He's like, then feed my sheep. And then again he goes, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. You know why? Because he denied him three times. God is a God of restoration. So for each to the Niles, there's an opportunity to be restored. Man, look at God's love for him. He comes and finds him where he is. How many times has he come and found us where we are? Right? We've messed up, and we're off here in the dark. And you know what? The Bible talks about that he's the good shepherd that'll leave the 99 to go get the one. Right? Sometimes we find ourselves in life. and We're in the ditch. We're covered in brambles and mess, and we've got ourselves into such a nightmare. And we're overwhelmed by our circumstances, and we cry out, Lord, I need you. Just like Peter, when he fell in the water, save me. And he said, boom, immediately he saved him. And what the picture is with that shepherd the shepherd that leaves the ninety-nine as he goes, and he gets in the brambles and the mess and the mud, and he takes that lamb and he digs it out. He puts it on his shoulder when the lamb has no power to walk, and he walks him back, and he cleans him up, and he puts him in the herd. How beautiful flock! Sorry, that's not a herd, <laughs> but that's the beautiful picture of our Lord. And not only is he that way for Peter. But see, he's that way for us. The cool thing is the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and for forever. And what's so cool is, you know what? From this time forward, Peter gets a shift of perspective. He starts to see things Differently, he starts to value and understand what it finally means to deny his flesh. He's fallen prey to it time and time and time again. Now, the resurrected Lord gives him this chance, and Peter goes, You know what? I won't fail again. Now, I'll dedicate myself to being the follower that God created me to be. And God, what we see is Peter takes a hold of the mission and he starts to fulfill it. And this is our fourth point sharing. The good news. And what we find here is the fact that the very same place. The very same place where Peter had fallen prey to his flesh and denied the Savior, right? So we go back in time prior to when he made it, when his failure took place, his flesh took a hold. He was at the Sanhedrin. He got freaked out. Jesus is in there. He denies him and, and everything falls apart. Now, just within a matter of weeks after Jesus meeting him on the shore, Peter is then dragged to the same location. He's taken not outside of the Sanhedrin where he was before in the outside of the court. He's in the Sanhedrin standing in the very same spot where Jesus stood. He was so scared to even be outdoors that he would deny his Lord. Now he's standing in the heat of it. And guess what? He's denying his flesh. And he doesn't fall into his emotions. He proclaims the truth of the word of God. Listen to this in Acts chapter four, verses 18 through 20. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and saith unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. He says, Listen, you decide. But let me just tell you, this is our this is our stance. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak. We will proclaim. The goodness of God. So he went from so fearful that he would not speak, that he was willing to deny the Lord to a place in time where he says, you know what? You can't shut me up. Praise. Praise the Lord. Finally, Peter got a hold of what God had graciously given him. And in appreciation and thanks, Peter would give his all, even his life, to share the gift that he had been given. You know that Jewish history tells us that when Peter was finally killed, because all of them were martyred, what happened when Peter was finally killed, they were going to crucify him. And Peter looked at that situation and he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. So when you crucify me, would you do it upside down? I don't want to be matching. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be like him. To the end, Peter was faithful. But it was a path of failure. Failure. Right. So if that's where we're at, if that's if you failed, then hey man, good company to be in. You drop the ball. Good company. You've denied the Lord. Good company. You've done stupid things. Guess what? Join the crowd. If I made a book of all the things I've done that are stupid, my soul we would be here forever. And so as this time of year comes, right this this Christmas celebration of the birth of the Savior, it is all about the birth. Yes. But it's not the birth for the sake of the birth, it's the birth for the sake of the death. The gift was that life that was brought to earth being given as a sacrifice for all. And that's, the Bible says that there's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. God's love for us is so far beyond what we can imagine. The gift of love that God has given to mankind is the ultimate expression of forgiveness and if you feel like you can be unforgiven you feel like today you know what I'm not I'm not worthy no one is there's not a person here who's worthy of forgiveness and yet because of God's grace grace is to offer something that's not not earned Jesus offers for by grace he is saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works list any man should boast, a gift John three sixteen says for God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave a life to save a life. What we have done and the sins that we've committed, they're worthy of death. And yet God, because of his mercy, offers us life. The gift has been paid for in full. And it is offered to the entire world. No matter how badly someone's messed up, it does not matter. And so this Christmas we have the good news, Emmanuel, the first Noel. We understand the fact that God loves us right where we are, and what God expects of us is that listen. Now that you know, you have knowledge of God, and now that you've you've come to the place where you've met Him, and you've learned how to follow Him. Now what I want you to do is I want you to to share him so this Christmas my challenge to us all is we not so get wrapped up in family and it's wonderful to get spend time with family but you know we probably have lost people in our family let's have those conversations not to create wars or battle with people but because we love them someone loved us enough to share the gospel listen I wasn't looking for Jesus the night I got saved I was a uh, Unpleasant person at that point, perhaps, you might say. I wasn't the conversation you'd be like, man, I can't wait to talk to that guy about Jesus. You'd been like, oh boy, this is gonna be rough. But but by God's grace, God used my wife to soften my heart. And what happened was because she was willing to listen to the gospel, I sat down and gave it an ear. Not because I was hungry for Jesus, but because I said, you know what? I'll listen. And the cool thing is the word of God when it speaks. It's funny, I was talking to Corey uh, in discipleship and he said, it's amazing, he's got this lady that he works with and he said uh, that he's been sharing scripture with her and he said, it's amazing to see how people just, their faces change and how they go, well, let me hear that. And he said he skipped it one day and he, he was just busy and didn't, 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 wasn't telling her and then finally at the, of the end he was like, oh yeah, I want to go share this. And she was like, I was waiting on you to, to share that with me. You know what? Because you know why? Because we recognize the sound of our father's voice. When a child's in the womb and dad's talking in the room, that voice, there's a little indicator. And as that child grows, that father's voice resonates. And we have the most amazing heavenly father that loves us. And if you're lost today and you are denying his existence, can I tell you, just give in, he's not going to back off. You're going to feel it for the rest of your life to your dying breath. You're going to feel the draw of God saying, Hey, I want to have a relationship with you I love you and so our challenge is to share the gift of God because you know what our message today needs to be joy to the world the Lord is come and we don't want him to be just our Lord but we want him to be their Lord let's pray thank you Lord for the gift of this beautiful truth Thank you, Lord, for the example we see in Peter's life. And, Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here that know you as Savior. Lord, I do pray that you'd inspire us, Father. Would you uh, give us opportunities to to open our mouths, to live lives that make a difference, Father? We're not here to to force people or do anything like that. We're just simply here to love people with the truth. So, Lord, I do pray that you'd give us uh, the willingness to speak, the boldness to speak. And, Lord, would you let the, the ears of those that do not know you, Lord, would you help them to be. To be willing to hear, with their heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you said, "Listen, Lord, or or, uh, Pastor, I don't know for sure. I'm not sure where I stand with God." Now, listen. Years ago, if you'd asked me if I knew who God was or if I believed in God, I'd have said, "Sure," but I can promise you this: I wasn't going to heaven because it comes down to this. Jesus died specifically for us to pay the sins that we live with, that we've committed, and He is willing to pay that sin debt for us. But it's a gift that's offered. It has to be received. It's not forced upon us. See, God loves us enough to let us can make a choice. We get to decide. Will we receive him or will we reject him? If you've received him, praise his name. But if you've not received him, can I tell you that right now he's calling out to your heart? If you feel him drawing you, even as we've preached this message, all you have to do is simply surrender. Let him draw you in. The Bible says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're here today and you say, listen, I want to receive Christ, there's no no magic ceremony or anything like that. There's no religious aspect to this at all. This is a loving God calling out to your heart. And if you want to receive him, here's your opportunity. I'm going to lead you in prayer. It's not the words that will do anything. It's your heart. So with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to receive Christ as your savior, repeat after me in your heart and mind and speak to God, not to me. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I am so sorry for my sin. I understand that there's accountability for the life that I've lived and I recognize today that you love me in spite of myself, that you died on the cross to offer me a way to be redeemed back to you by faith in this moment I'm asking you to come into my heart I'm asking you to save my soul and I'm asking you to give me a home in heaven Lord thank you for saving me I'll see you in heaven one day for it's in Jesus name I pray and give thanks amen Head still bowed, eyes still closed Listen, if you prayed today and you were sincere, now if you said the prayer but you didn't mean it, please do not waste your time raising your hand. You are still lost. But if you prayed and you meant business with God, you were sincere. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand real quick. I'm not going to call you out or point out, but I want to intensely pray for you. Amen, amen. Anybody else? I see one. Anybody else? You received Christ today. You prayed and you trusted the Lord as your Savior. Anybody else? Just lift it up and put it right back down. Amen, amen. Lord, we thank you. For your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for the power of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Christ. And God, I do praise you for all that you've done in this place, in my life, in the lives of these here in this church. And I pray that, God, you would help us. Help us, Lord Jesus, not only to live for you, but, Lord, let you live through us, that our lives would make a difference and that the truth of the gospel would go forth, not just through uh, the life that we live, but, Lord, also our willingness to have those conversations with those that do not know you lord help us to share your truth but share it in love that they might know your incredible grace mercy and love lord thank you for saving thank you for working thank you lord god for guiding us today we pray that you be in the midst of all that we'll do through the next few days in jesus name amen we're going to take just a moment this is an opportunity for going to talk to to god on your own Take a moment and and maybe just thank him for your family. Thank him for whatever. If he did something in your heart today through the service, take a moment, uh, talk to the Lord, and then we're going to close. And Brother Eric's going to close us out today.
1: Ready? There we go. All right. Well, Peter is my guy. As evident earlier, I f- put my foot in my mouth plenty of times. I just wanted to. That was done on purpose, just so you could see. Um, but, yeah, I appreciate that message. And, and it. you know, just the, the evidence that is provided, uh, that the Lord provides in the Bible and just, you know, human beings that make mistakes and the love that he has and and i said it's a living you know breathing testament to what the lord's done for us and i just appreciate the message you know i think it was very fitting very timely you know if you will so i would i would encourage you and challenge you as you challenge me that we do take that gift uh, and not take it for granted but share it you know with those that need to hear the good news you know of the love of our lord and our savior Um, that being said merry christmas you know i love y'all i am so glad to be part of this church part of this family um i do want to ask a special favor just based on personal experiences i know that a lot of folks this year uh, may be experiencing the holiday without somebody so um it's never been more real to me and i may have taken that for granted in years past so um, i just pray for you you know pray for me you know that uh, have lost family members and they're already home in heaven waiting for us um. Just uh. Just take 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 some time. You know, and be grateful for the family that you have here, and that one day you will see. You know those folks that we miss and we have sent on before. So, uh, let's pray, and we'll send John out of here. Uh, Heavenly Father, just thank you for loving us. Thank you for just being a forgiving God. Uh, one that uh, doesn't look at us with uh, judgment for any other reason than to bring us back into the fold. Uh, that you want us to follow you. You want us to be just lovers of men, and uh, just be able to share your love with them uh, to bring. Uh, to to bring you to uh, the knowledge of Christ. I thank you and I love you for loving me, uh, for loving my church, loving my family. I just praise you and just worship you and have a wonderful holiday and celebration of you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.